This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. Come on, sissy that pod, let's get sickening! Are you a fan of the Emmy award-winning show RuPaul's Drag Race? Do you think about Roxy Andrews at the bus stop? And do you belong in Party City? Well, Sissy That Pod is the podcast for you. Join me, James, and my co-host, Keen. Is there something on my face? As we chat weekly about the runway realness, sickening shade, and backstage buffoonery. That's right, whether it's new episodes of Drag Race US, UK, or All-Stars, Sissy That Pod will spill the tea with a new episode for you within 24 hours. So make good choices and subscribe to Sissy That Pod from the Headstuff Podcast Network and we'll leave you gagging on our eleganza. Now, let the music play! Hello, you are very welcome to Film Network Ireland's industry film and television podcast, FNI Rap Chat. Hosted by myself, Remy Michelle Clark, Paul Butler Lennox, Sean T. O'Malley, Mia Malarkey and Paul Webster. We are delighted to bring you regular podcasts with Ireland's busiest and most productive film and TV professionals. Rap Chat is sponsored by Film Equipment Store, Wildcard Distribution and Octavid.com. If you really, really, really love Irish film and television, why not consider becoming a member on buymeacoffee.com forward slash FNI. Visit wearefni.com for all things Irish film, animation and television. Hello and welcome to this Rap Chat with Dublin cinematographer and film director, Cathy Dunn. Lovely to have you on, Cathy. Thanks so much for having me. How are you? Yeah, good. Uh, navigating through a weird, weird, weird world of uh, remote directing at the moment. Um, so yeah, I'm kind of looking forward to hopefully things in the summer picking back up and been out there again. Yeah, and are you working on anything or have you been able to work on anything during the lockdown periods? Um, so this lockdown, I've kind of kept a bit quieter and um, just doing some promotional stuff and getting some ideas together for new documentaries. But during the first lockdown, actually, um, I directed a series called Through the Pain. Yes. This was made with Maggie Ryan, who produced it, and Sinead O'Loughlin, who was the researcher and also developed it and came along to interview with myself. So we would have worked very closely with the HSE um, during this time. And it was kind of that thing of, I suppose it's a very different world now to what it was. Um, you know, at the beginning, it was, there's a lot of fear in the air and a lot of uncertainty. And yeah, there's a big effort for people to kind of come together and reassure each other. Um, and the three of us had, had talked, um, one of all of our shoots, you know, were cancelled and how we wanted to try use our skills for good use um, and just to try help a bit, obviously to create some documentary series that would help us learn, but to also make it public um, for anyone to like, to actually plug in. Each week we, we did two episodes, um, so it was full on. <laughs> I mean, we did 17 episodes all together. So we were interviewing frontline workers, volunteers, uh our last episode was on cocoon, two cocooners um, 
an elderly couple who were 97 and 101 at the time. That was Sean and Caitlin, was it? And Kathleen, yeah. And Kathleen, Sean and Kathleen. Yes, they were absolute, like... I don't know, they're just bounds of positivity off them. And sure, like, you know, we kind of went out. I, I, I'd know them, they'd be family friends. So we thought, oh, like, you know, they'll definitely be uplifting. And sure, maybe they've had a hard time and we'll just hone in on that a little bit. But sure, when we asked them, oh, how's, how's it been? Oh, sure, I haven't noticed the thing. Sure, it's great <laughs> out here in the garden. Like, you know, we're being very well looked after. And it's like, it's really like, you know, a testament to their family that they really just looked after them and, before the lockdown, you know, Sean is huge into his gardening. Um, his daughter went and his picked fuchsias stuff. Yeah, of course, isn't it? <laughs> uh, went and picked up like a few bits for him to kind of keep busy throughout the time. But um, yeah, no, it was just a great experience to to have, and you know, we wrapped up on that. I think it was the end of July, um, and things started to open back up again. And um, so that was kind of, you know, we were, I was back normally filming then for two months before things closed down again. Um, but yeah, things are picking up again. So it's good. Yeah. So hopefully in the next couple of months, you'll be able to move on to your next thing. But um, coming back to Through the Pain, what I noticed while watching it uh, and then also watching some of your other work like Imprints, which is going to the Dublin International Film Festival, is this concept of distance, which I find really interesting in your work and seems to be a theme. So whether it's the theme of or the distance is, you know, the pane of glass physical thing or in Imprints, you know, memory as told through footage, which is out of reach and then also in um, in long line, where it's all through the phone and the messages and the time distance. What do you think it is about distance that's so compelling for you in your filmmaking? Oh, my God, I've never even noticed this before. <laughs> this is great. I'm going to take this and add this to my synopsis. <laughs> no, it's um, I suppose like it's just maybe that was an unconscious or subconscious decision. Um, I think with Through the Pain, it was you know, it ended up that we had to, we ha- had to film through windows, but yeah, it also was a representation of here and now and, and how we were feeling. And I was kind of hoping that that evoked a similar tone for whoever watched it, that they could instantly relate. Um, for imprints. Yeah, it was, it, that was a weird one because I suppose like they were my, so to explain who they are, that's my grand aunt, Aunt Mary and my grand uncle Dennis, but they were really like surrogate grandparents to me. Um, they would have grown up the road. I would have grown up the road um, from them. We would have shared holidays together, Christmases. Um, so yeah, like, you know, would have been really close to them. And I remember Dennis showing us like footage when we were younger, like, like I was only about six or seven at the time and he just was projecting it into his sitting room. But, you know, at the time, and it's, it's weird, you're a kid and you're taking it on. And of course, you're curious, but you probably don't ask any of those deeper questions. Um, and when it came to interviewing Aunt Mary, she was quite a private person in some ways. You can kind of, I don't know if you can tell that from like her interview. She She's quite guarded and careful to not. Yeah. Don't film me. It's one of the first things she says. Yeah. Yeah, but don't film me. But she's also like kind of flirting with the camera a little bit. <laughs> but uh, yeah, she was she, she was like a kind of, uh, yeah, she's a funny character in that like she'd, give, she'd only give so much away. So 
there is a bit of a disconnect then between your or a distance as, as you put it between um what I was trying to comprehend from the footage um and from what I knew what I'm seeing but also the bits of information that I learned from Aunt Mary um so yeah there definitely was that kind of like you, you, you probably know like I wasn't able to go too far deep into it so that's that, that's kind of that layer of protection there I suppose in some ways is like well like let's explore the footage and see if I can understand it better so when they had he passed when I was 21 so that was nine years ago and then she passed there three years ago um and I actually never I was I, I, I was living in America when he passed and I never got to um attend the funeral or anything so there was like kind of like a lacking of like sense of closure or whatever for that and I was kind of thinking okay how to end the documentary maybe if, if I explore projecting the images in their house that had just gone on the market um it might like give you some answers <laughs> I don't know so I just headed up there um with with my dad actually came up with me and we like you know he's looking at me going what is she doing and I'm there projecting all the images and listening to the sound but it was actually it was strangely comforting because just I when I arrived in the house I felt like I was intruding because they weren't there and then mm. when I started projecting the films and hearing their voices it was like I come back for one last final cup of tea um, in their house while watching some of his films. Yeah, what you describe as a shared moment in time. So it's almost like you were sharing that moment with them, as well as when you made the film, you were giving them a moment together. Yeah, and then like it's it's all the layers. It's like, you know, it comes back to the, the, the title being imprints. So like, you know, to imprint an image and that can be into our minds or it can be into our memories or it can be onto physical objects so yeah when I think about Uncle Dennis like he imprinted his memories on the reels and then I tried to comprehend that by projecting it back into the moulds of his house and so that was just like really interesting Um, and then yeah so there was just like a natural distance I suppose you know for that to happen um, and for like a process, it is a bit of an exper- experimental um, short documentary. So that kind of, you know, comes into it. Um, and then with the long line, yeah, with the phone, like, yeah, that's like totally right as well, because this is somebody who has come out of the tail end of the recession. Um, you know, young people have left the countryside, GA teams and numbers are like dwindling and a lot of young people are leaving for Australia. So this guy who, Liam, who's left um, on the shore, he's like constantly looking out um, towards like what he probably is trying to look out towards Australia. Do you know, nearly like obviously you can't see it or it was quite metaphorical. And then he's ringing his, his girlfriend who's over there or she's trying to get in contact with him and he's deciding whether or not to pick up... Um, yeah, so that's just that's that's a really interesting perspective, I suppose. Yeah, and uh, just a sense of distance between them as well. I don't know. Maybe mm. there's some kind of yeah. I need to look deeper into that myself to figure that. Yeah, one. I think it's an interesting thing. I know that um, when it comes to writing, it's said that a writer will only ever write one book, but they write it in many different ways. And I wonder if that's the same for directors. What do you think? Yeah, I I say there's. There's definitely like, yeah, I think we all have the way we direct and the way we write and the way we edit, it's coming from like a deeper place. So I suppose like that's the core of who you are. 
Um, and so you're probably going to project that in some way into, into your work um, in variations. Yeah, I think it probably goes down to like life experience um, and, you know, pe- you know, directors that might have gone through a bit more, they might be able to kind of project in different ways. Um, yeah, so I, I would I would slightly agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so you lived in America for a while. How long were you there for? Uh, that was a couple of months um, just, you know, doing the whole J1 thing. Um, so, yeah, oh, yeah. nothing too, 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 too spectacular. Um, yeah, just a couple of months there. Um, yeah. I was wondering if that might have informed the long line piece. Yeah, I suppose to an extent because, you know, stuff had happened and I, I, I had been living in France for that full year as well, just to explain before. And then I went to New York and uh, sure I had a great old year. But um, yeah, that like that 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 would have yeah had some influence because you know you miss certain life events when you're when you're living abroad, um, and I suppose you can be close to your family, but yeah, you might feel like you're missing out a small bit on like you know some of the other events that you can't physically be there for. Yeah, and um, talking about family, which is a theme obviously in imprints, but also the sense of family in through the pain and also in long line, I suppose, family, home and place. And you're talking about when you're six or seven and watching your um, great uncle's, what the super eight footage, is that what it, what it is? The super eight footage that he was projecting on the wall. Would you cite that as one of your early influences that made you want to become a filmmaker or were there other things, other directors or films that were your early influences? Yeah, it's weird. Like, I suppose, you know, like a lot of film directors, they grew up knowing that that's what they want to do. Um, like, that's something that I came to, I suppose, a bit later in life. You know, I definitely was always in, in awe of Uncle Dennis's reels. You know, if there was any event going on, I'd be the one with the family camera. I'd been like, give it to me. I want to go, like, capture some stuff. But I never really thought about it as a career. Um, and I remember, like, even, you know, leaving so year. I wanted to go into interior design or something um, I didn't get my portfolio in on time um, and I ended up studying music and French for a couple of years in UCD so that was like a, you know a four-year degree and when I came out of that I was like you know it was brilliant and all and I learned a lot but I don't want to do anything more with these and um, I didn't want to teach um, and I still had that kind of passion to to make and make things you know um so whether that was like going back to do interior design or possibly taking up a photography course and then like it was really the digital arts. I was like, OK, this is actually quite interesting. And, you know, maybe there is a love there that I haven't fully acknowledged before. And um, so I went and did a, an MSc in multimedia in DCU where I learned photography, like film basics, editing, animation the whole shebang script writing um, and I absolutely loved it um, and you know within two months of being in this course um, yeah I, I decided that okay this is I want to progress with either photography or filmmaking and um, I just love people um, and I love seeing the good in people and capturing that um, mm. and sharing it with people to hopefully make them feel like a similar kind of you know positive lift um, so that's kind of, I suppose, yeah, it, it's a weird one. Like, you know, it's always been there in the background, but I wouldn't have necessarily 
said I'm, I'm an innate film director or like I grew up with this um, passion because I think it's more passion for the arts and storytelling that then influenced um, film filmmaking yeah yeah so arguably you could have indulged that passion in a number of different ways but you just kind of sideways fell into film making yeah exactly and um yeah it's, yeah it's funny because I, I i kind of feel like um yeah you feel like a bit of a fraud sometimes because you're talking to other you know your other friends who are directors and they could give you a long list of like directors that they would have followed from a very young age um whereas like you know I I don't know I don't think one any one path is like meant to be do you know I think mm-hmm. if it makes you happy and if you enjoy it and if you're feeling fulfilled then like that's enough do you know um yeah so I, I just I just love it like I just I couldn't imagine not doing it now at this stage um and I'm very lucky that I'm able to do it and that um like I do have my other work on the side you know the more corporate stuff but like I never for once like shun that um I welcome that in because that like facilitates me to do you know other stuff um yeah so like I I I don't I don't ever see myself being able to do full passionate projects if I do amazing but yeah I'm just trying to you know balance everything out Mm -hmm. and just coming back to what you said about feeling a bit like a fraud sometimes when you talk to other directors, is that something that you deal with a lot? I mean, I think a lot of people who work in creative uh, professions tend to feel that imposter syndrome. It's well documented. And if you do experience it, how do you combat it? And uh, yeah. Yeah, I definitely have it. <laughs> I definitely have imposter <laughs> yeah. syndrome. No, 100%. Um, I guess you know at this stage like I kind of just you know I'm able to reason with myself and say okay well hang on here you've done this and this and you're doing this and this whereas like in the earlier days it was definitely a bit more difficult um and it's that thing of like you know if I just keep saying to myself I'm a filmmaker I'll be a filmmaker you know if I keep saying to myself I'm a film director people will see me as a film director and it's that whole thing about like what you put in out out to the world is how people perceive you. Um, so definitely if I have those days now, I'm kind of like, okay, like let's just like relook at some of my work and reassure myself that like, you know, it's legit. Um, but no, I definitely, I have a lot more confidence now than I did when I started out. And do you feel that COVID and the lockdown and the enforced stoppage of work has negatively or positively impacted that? for you, you know, that sense of having to, you know, remind yourself that you deserve to be here. Definitely positive, 100%. Um, yeah. I thought you would have said the opposite. No, um, no, funnily not, because I think what happens as well, a lot with my work, um, and it's something that I've had to really just take a step back on this year. Um, yeah, because I've, I've been aware of it, but like I haven't actually like done anything to change it. So this year I was like, okay, now that I have time, I'm going to do it. Whereas you know, before, um, you know, you're constantly striving to get somewhere in life. So whether it's get a mortgage and I know it's silly, like, you know, some people will say like, why do you follow social norms and all that? But like, you do want a sense of, like, I, I want a sense of security to know that, you know, I'm okay if something happens. I like, I want to have like a savings account that like if work stops for a few months, which it did. And I was glad that I, I had that, that I can fall back on this. Um, so when, when the pandemic happened, um, I had gone from like, you know, four or five years of 
constant corporate work or yeah and I hadn't spent a lot of time actually focusing on creative stuff so there was a complete imbalance um there and I like you know I would say oh I'm gonna have a creative Friday you know and I so introduced creative Fridays for a while but then that's only one day a week um and then you might get a call from a client with like a last minute edit or whatever so I think when that stopped um and like you know there's the initial kind of sense of panic to be like oh, Jesus like you know I'm gonna have no work now okay how can we make this positive like, I want to do more creative stuff and like now is the time so that's when I came up with the idea for you know through the pain um so that, that was really great and the other thing was like that film imprints like I was so intimidated by it. I I think I had it like on a drive for five years. I'm not joking. I got like the the cine footage digitized. So the cine footage was left to my brother, and he like very kindly um allowed me to you know digitize it and edit it and all that. But uh, like I got that digitized in 2013, I think, and um oh. and I re- remember sending it off. A brilliant guy, Julian from Super Eight uh, Productions in Galway, digitized it for me. Sent it back, you know, gave some advice with how to keep the the film reels, and then I actually started working a lot with RT Archives, so learned more about that the whole archiving process. But just to I suppose come back when when those cinese that were digitized came back I remember sitting from like I think it was like 8 p.m that night to 6 a.m the following morning re-watching the reels over and over and over again they're just like magical I honestly I didn't even realize what time it was I remember look it was the summertime so the sunlight I think might have faded around like half 10 or something um, and then looking at around four in the morning but like okay it's dark just one more just one more look and then the sun, <laughs> the sun has started to come back up at that stage um yeah, and then I, when I saw those, and I was like, God, you know, we have to do something with them. We can't just, like, have them digitized here and have them sitting here. Um, there's, like, definitely a story here. Um, and I think, you know, that was two years after Dennis's death, and I didn't want to go straight in and ask Mary about it because I knew it would be quite a difficult one to approach. So it was a couple of, you know, a couple of, years later that we interviewed it was 2015 um my cousin came along to interview because she always had a a fondness for the men so she like she wouldn't uh, have given me as good an interview if 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 I was to sit there okay so Dara Dara Wallace uh, interviewed her yeah so you'll see the bit about are you filming I don't like to be filmed that was like directed towards me (laughs) so so Dara um interviewed her there but yeah, like, so like I had all the stuff and I, I had started to edit it and, um, but I was scared that I wasn't going to do justice. I think it was, I felt like I was nearly too close to the subjects in some ways. Mm. And I think when they're your family members, um, yeah, you just, and you love them and you want to make sure that you're telling the story like as well as you can, but because you know, all these other layers to them, it's much more difficult to get an outside perspective. Mm. Because you also don't want to step on anyone's toes or cause massive offence. So it's hard probably for you to be as neutral as you need to be. Sure. And then, you know, you know, you know, stuff that they don't want people to know as well. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a line between 
like I suppose a, like an amazing director maybe and then somebody who's not going to overstep that line to protect their family and I probably fall into the the second bracket because yeah I did leave like a lot of stuff out that could have made the story better but I just I like out of respect to everyone I just couldn't I couldn't do that so like what kind of things did you leave out well I can't tell you any of that can I <laughs> I'll leave, I'll leave it in my will <laughs> yeah so like I mean I had that footage for years and then I through the pain you know was coming up to close and I was like gosh like what next I need to do something you know something one more creative thing before things open back up and I had that hard drive sitting there and I was like right I'm just gonna tackle this I'm gonna look at this every day for the next few weeks and try I suppose the other thing is trying to get other people to look at your work as well um, especially when you are close to it like you become a bit more sensitive so yeah so you have to be careful like you know it was, if it was a short film um, I probably wouldn't have an issue at all like sending it off because whatever you just take it to make the project better but it took a bit more convincing for me to send it out because I was so close to it um, and I, I really wanted people to see it as I saw it and I wasn't sure if that was coming across so I eventually like just put the courage up and sent it on to a couple of friends and they had some really really great feedback um and it was I think it was Sinead O'Loughlin actually who was like you know go experiment with it like you know you you, you know that you don't have the interview that you want um because you know I might plan to go back a second time and interview her but at that stage she had gone into a home and had started to like disintegrate um like her mind like you know mm. alzheimer's and everything started to kick in um so yeah and it, it was just a tough one so to go back and experiment with it and project it into the house and all that like i wouldn't have i wouldn't have got it finished probably if it wasn't for this year i probably would have it sitting yeah. on a drive for another 10 years or so. so it definitely had its benefits in terms of your creative practice and so how was it then making this creative project for yourself after five years of working on mainly corporate stuff and then to get it placed in the Dublin International Film Festival? That must have been a huge lift. Oh, my God. Yeah, I really wasn't expecting it. You know, we I finished it in August and I sent it out to a couple of festivals and I was, you know, like the, the whole thing with the festival plan is the first year you want to send it off to the ones that you really wanted in like you know the bigger ones so the ones where you take a gamble um and then the second year then you might look at just you know doing some more local stuff um so I kind of just sent it off on a whim <laughs> I was like I sent it into Kerry as well and I, I was I was like delighted when it got into Kerry Film Festival um and then it got into Paris uh, um, Offlift Festival because I, I, there's just some scenes from Paris and stuff and I was probably wishfully hoping that like if I'd gotten there maybe I could go visit a friend and you know have a little wander around yeah um, obviously that was online and then we came around to Dublin International Film Festival and I honestly like I was like oh no they've emailed the wrong person like this this like you know can't have gone towards this um, so no I'm really humbled and like there's God, there's so many, you know, great shorts and stuff um, that are alongside it. So it's just, yeah, it's 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 brilliant. Um, yes, that's starting next week. So, oh, amazing! And do you have any Q and A's to do or anything or any other? We had a panel discussion uh, last week, so I'm not, I'm sorry, I'm not actually sure when that's coming out. Um, but yeah, it will. That will be online as well. And does getting 
into something like the diff inspire you to maybe do more long form documentary work? Well, I, I assume that you want to do more documentary stuff um, unless you also want to get into fictional film too. Or is it does your heart lie more with a kind of human centered documentary style work? Yeah, there's something I just love about documentary. I think it's like the authenticity of people. Um, and like that can sometimes be hard to recreate in like, you know, fiction. Um, but not to say like I do love fiction as well. Um, and I suppose if the right script was to come up, I would definitely, you know, consider I'm not a writer, you see. And like, yeah, I'm definitely more of a director than a writer and a DOP. But yeah, I think if I was to work with somebody and I just haven't found that person yet. So as to work with with a writer that, um, yeah, that we were just on the same level um, and had the same interest for story, like, you know, I suppose they're uplifting stories. I'd definitely, mm-hmm. you know, consider it. Um, and then, yeah, I like documentary. I just love it. I mean, we, myself and Maggie Ryan, so who was the producer in Through the Pain and Imprints, we just got selected for a tender there. It's for age and, age and opportunity. And it's um, on the older LGBTQIA plus community in Ireland. Oh, wow. So I'm actually, I'm really excited. So that's a short one. But I feel like, yeah, these documentaries that I know they're not like investigative journalism as such, but they're like more kind of uplifting. But this one will be interesting because um, it's like it's kind of a big challenge that Ireland's facing at the moment. We don't have care homes that are as inclusive as we'd like them to be um so if you imagine like people that are in their 70s now or in their like 60s and all they've gone through like like you know growing up in Ireland where you were completely rejected um by everyone going through the AIDS pandemic um and coming out of that on the other side having survived it and wearing a badge of pride and then you're coming to your later life and you're you start to think about am I going to have to go into a home are my peers going to be accepting of me as I am or are they still Mm -hmm. stuck in the past are those carers going to understand me um so there's especially then if people might go in as a couple which a lot of you know straight elderly couples would do move into a home together And would, you know, so that would be really important, it sounds like, that documentary. Really tough. And you have to, the the, the tougher thing is, is I think, um, you know, there's a documentary done on care homes in the States called Gen Silent. And in it, they talk about how people in their 70s are having to go back in the closet to protect themselves when they enter care homes. God, yeah. Um, so I just, I feel like that's not representative of who we are now or who Ireland is now. Um, so I think it is a really important piece. And, you know, I know one of our subjects um, who's going to be in it, like he describes himself as a Trump refugee. So he actually, when Trump was, in, was inaugurated, he actually left the States to come here mm-hmm. because he was so scared of, he could just feel the sentiment changing very quickly. Um and he's elderly and he's like, you know, he's ill in some ways as well. So it's a tough time, but he's like super positive. Like, 
Um, and he's doing like a lot of advocacy work for getting some LGBT friendly you know, homes around Ireland or even just drawing attention to it. So I think it's a really important mm. documentary in terms of shedding light on something that like I definitely wasn't as aware of a couple of months ago. Um, and that I think if we are all aware of it and if we can all pull together, like it will help make a difference. Mm. And how do you find these amazing characters? Do you just naturally attract them more? How do you hunt them down? Well, in fairness now, I will give all the credit to Sinead O'Loughlin for Through the Pain because she did all the research on that more or less, you know. But um, yeah, I for this one, it's, it's, it's I suppose the people I'm looking for, generally speaking, are the people that don't normally put themselves forward. Um. So like with Through the Pain, most of those people hadn't put themselves forward. We just tried to, we just did like a lot of research, um, especially women. Women are like, are really bad at doing it, um, really bad at putting themselves forward for anything. They'll recommend their friend, no bother, but they'll never put themselves up for it. Um, so it's like a lot of like direct contacts. And with Through the Pain, you know, the first few people we got were all, all men and I was like okay we need to like just relook at this and try to get a balance like um in like diversity or whatever and uh yeah it was funny and you you know you you ring you ring women and you say listen so and so told me you'll be great at this are you interested oh no no couldn't and I'm like well I think you'd be great because this this and this would you be interested and like you know you, you get there and then they're really proud of it in the end um so yeah, it's funny, there's like hurdles that you'll come across and then with this docu- documentary we're doing at the moment with Age and Opportunity, it's been a lot of direct lines. So I've literally contacted everyone privately, so all of the organisations to say, do you know somebody? Do you know somebody? Do you know somebody? Um, James O'Hagan from LGBT Ireland has been fantastic. He's been a massive help um, in, in doing that. So yeah, it's like... And it's, it's talking to them as well, you know, because, you know, just talking to lots of different people and trying to figure out, like, I suppose for this one, where the balance lies. Um, so there could be like 20 great people, but then like, what, five will like, you know, work nicely together with their stories and their energy and their personalities and everything. Mm. And in terms of your dream role, what do you think that might be? Is there any show out there at the moment that you would love to take over on? Or is there something else that you have always fantasized about doing? Oh, my God. <laughs> That's a big question. Um, yeah, in terms of shows, yeah, I definitely I'd like to get, you know, into directing a bit more fiction for sure. Um, I honestly thought the morning show was brilliant. I don't know if you, if you saw that. It was. It was. No, I didn't actually. No, I just thought it was one of the best. I just every nuance and yeah. I don't want to give too much away if you haven't seen it. But um, no, it was. It was just a brilliant. Jennifer Aniston's in it. Um, and oh yeah, no, I've heard. Of, I've heard of it. It's on my list, my ever growing list that never gets any smaller. Yeah, I just thought that was like a really sensitive approach. Um. But yeah, like I, I don't know if there's any like you know one show. Um, I'm probably more interested in in films. Um, and yeah, I think um that probably didn't really answer your question very well. Yeah. Well, what kind of films? Um, I love coming of age films. Um, mm. yeah, I really have a thing for them. Like I, I thought you know, Grade Eight by Bo Berman was great, and Booksmart with Olivia Wilde. 
and Ladybird. Um, like there were some of the great ones that came out, you know, in the last couple of years. Um, yeah, so like you know, some there's I I love like you know a quirkiness as well. Um, mm. And it's all about the heart. So heart's really important for you in everything that you do by the sounds of things. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah. And why why do you think that might be? Um, I I suppose it's like, you know how I've grown up. Um, I've I've been very lucky that I have a very kind of solid background, and I've probably only came to full appreciation in like you know the last few years. Um, but like you know, it's it's funny. Like I I didn't know how rare it was. You know, my mum and dad are like they'll say they're more in love now than they were when mm. they met. Mm. Um, so there's yeah, there's I think part of them is probably in all of my siblings, um, for sure. So you're just a diehard romantic then? Yeah, it must be. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good. I mean, there's plenty of the opposite. There's plenty of violence and there's plenty of really heavy material. So it's nice to have that counterpoint and to be able to provide that with the stuff that you choose to make. Oh yeah, yeah. Thanks. No, um, that's it though. Like, I think at the end of the day, like I, I don't, know, I consider myself to be quite a kind person, and I always want to lift people up. So if I can help do that through films and through work, like that, that's the most fulfilling thing, you know. Hmm. And you speak about having that really strong, solid base with your family, and is is that has that kind of galvanized you to be able to move through inevitable disappointments that come with a career in the arts? Yeah, definitely. It's funny. Like I would like always just be, you know, younger, saying mad stuff to my parents, and they just be like, "Oh yeah, you go do that." Like do you know, as in, <laughs> but they'd be like, kind of, you could see half of them been like, "Is she actually like she's not going to actually do that, is she?" Um, like I remember going to um with Habitat for Humanity to Africa for a couple of months and leading a mission over there <laughs> like do you know just and they're like oh she she actually gonna go okay and then I come back with my malaria do you know but um <laughs> it's like yeah they, they've always been like really supportive and just like a total rock do you know and not mm. just to like you know my siblings I'd say to a lot of other people as well so maybe that influence has given you the inspiration to offer that to other people through a different way you know because I even you're through the pain you're watching it and it's something that's related to something that is associated with devastation you know the pandemic and everything that it has caused but you can't help but smile when you watch them and especially the one of the cocooners they're just so full of love and they're so settled in who they are and I think by you providing that it's almost like you maybe are reflecting what your parents did for you and for other people. It's a big leap, but... You're not the first person to say that. It's like, yeah, I have like a... A lot of my friends would be artists or, you know, especially I, I work in the chocolate factory. Well, on a normal year, I work in the chocolate factory. I have a studio there and I share it with um, just an amazing bunch of creatives. So there's, you know, Jerry O'Dwyer, who's... Um, uh, like an, a graphic designer um, and then we have Colette who's a radio producer and Leanne who's a photographer um, and you know they, they turn around to me one day because you know Colette is, is 50 and then um, Leanne would be like in her 40s and I think at the time I was maybe 28 and they just turned around and they were like we were just talking about you 
Jesus, like, you know, like, you're just so self-assured. And I, mm. I, I, I had never, like, realised it before. And I was like, what do you mean? And they're like, you know, we went through our 20s just not knowing, like, you know, what way to go or, like, just not having enough confidence. And then, like, you know, when we reached this age, we finally felt that we were, like, at peace um, and happy with who we were. Um, so, yeah, like, I'm definitely, like, of course, like, you have your teenage years where, like, that is definitely not a thing. But, yeah, I think in my 20s, like, I've been, like, quite self-assured and quite confident um, in what I'm doing most of the time. Mm. Well, absolutely. And the fact that you're able to um, kind of pinpoint exactly what it is that inspires you in the sense of, you know, you like you you are inspired by kindness and you like to tell stories that are kind and uplifting and that finds the good in people. And that's very specific in a way, you know, um, and that you've managed to really hone that hone in on that and implement it in your work. Yeah, it's interesting because, you know, a couple of years ago, um, you know, when you're starting off as a filmmaker, everyone's like, what's your voice? Like, what are you? What niche do you fit into? And it's, you know, you're kind of scattering to figure out what it is. And I think, yeah, again, it's that whole thing of like, when you're looking at it, like, invertly, as opposed to, like, I can point to a friend and tell you exactly what their style is. But then when it comes to you, it's like, oh, I don't know, like, do, like, I don't know. And then there's that whole fear of like, putting yourself in a box. But like, you know, as you described that, that's exactly everything that I love um, about a film. That's everything that, you know, I want to emulate. Um, and then that's probably something that's only, you know, that I've really kind of, I suppose, yeah, figured out in the last few years um, that that's what I want to be doing. Yeah, because mm. I think there's a few years of experimenting and uncertainty and trying this and trying that and not liking this and then eventually getting to a voice that is just it's funny it just becomes like it's your voice and it's your personality mm-hmm. just in in films in film and they're also very colorful even long line which is more um a muted tone but color seems to be really important in your work um i they're either really vibrant vibrant even if they are like long line a bit more muted and is that your photography side coming into play is that as as important to you as the story yeah, I, I mean, I love photography. Like, you know, there's, I think if you can say something with an image rather than dialogue, you're you're winning. Um, there's that scene in Up, you know, with the two, with the elderly or the older couple. And mm-hmm. it's only like, whatever, you know, is it a minute long? It's, it's, it's not long at all. But like the amount of mo- emotion that they're able to get across within those first couple of seconds. Like, I think that was just, that's so powerful. Do you think imprints was somehow influenced by that? Because there's certain, not parallels, but there's this, there's something similar. Yeah, I mean, like, I suppose it's an older couple who, you know, didn't have children and wants to go traveling. So um, and also capturing the old and bringing it through into the now. Yeah, definitely. And yeah, a mixture of like timelines or whatever. Mm. Yeah, for sure. Hmm. You you mentioned you're going to be working on your um, documentary. You got the tender for that, so that's the next thing. That's the next big thing, yeah. So we're research is this this month sort of. I suppose it's going to be a quick turnaround. We have to film in March, and then it's for Bielsa Festival, so that's in May. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, we 
we've we've a bit of time but it'll be I'm just trying to do as much prep as possible so that the edit is smooth um, and that the production runs quickly. And you'll be working with people for this project. So what does that mean under COVID guidelines in, in terms of what you're used to doing? Yeah, so it means a skeleton crew, number one. So um, if you look at Through the Pain... <laughs> I definitely put myself through a lot of pain trying to trying to film that because um I was on two cameras and audio I uh, and lights at times so you can imagine how much that is for one person to do um and then Sinead was interfering so you know like there was two of us there and we didn't step inside um we would you know stay outside and like so there's like a lot of yeah, there's a lot of things that we're like, we're just so used to working in now that I suppose as well after doing that series that you kind of just automatically think like, so like one thing, like, you know, you might do a location scout. All right. Okay. What, what, what way can we do that now that we can't get out? We're doing it on Google maps. So like, that's our best friend, you know, drop, drop in and here and there and just trying to have a look um, to see what a road is like or a garden's like or whatever it is. Um, and then, you know, when we actually get down to sh- to filming, um, yeah, it's like we'll be following the commercial producers Ireland. They put out like you know a statement and best practice. So it'll be things like keeping our distance, filming outside, um, just like you know. I think everyone has it like you know pounding into them at this stage, mm-hmm. um, yeah. And then like for editing and stuff, it will just be like virtual like feedback, and you know we just you know sometimes we might sit in with a client, but obviously that won't be happening um and it's also like a thing I suppose just to mention as well like uh, just in case anyone is listening to this and wants to put themselves forward for for the documentary um we are giving like full sign off to the participants meaning that um we'll film with them and because it's I suppose they they could end up putting themselves in a bit of a, a vulnerable position um mm-hmm. and we want to be able to capture all that we can but we're also sensitive to whatever they say so um and their story and just protect protecting like what they actually want to put out there so come april when we have our first edit done we'll actually be sending it to the individual um participants just to make sure that they're happy with how we've represented their story how we've told Mm. it um and are they comfortable with these elements going out okay that's wonderful Well, thanks so much for that. I really enjoyed looking into your work beforehand and I really like your I really like your style, which I'm sure you could tell um, in the the interview. I love the kind of uplifting message. It's I used to really like more um, and I don't know if it's the pandemic or not, but I used to really like more heavy material. I remember when I was a kid, Sleepers was one of my favorite films, which is nuts. Uh, Whereas now I can only watch stuff that's quite gentle and soft and uplifting I don't know if it is just age or the pandemic or it was funny we actually at Christmas time we went back to like look at one of the old uh, James Bond films with Sean Connery <laughs> yeah. and my god like the things <laughs> that used to go on screen like you know oh James god, Bond yeah. shoving a girl into, into a corner and you know like literally would not be passed it's shocking. I've read, didn't I? I read recently about Sean Connery in an interview saying that he thinks women deserve to be slapped. Oh, yeah. they. You know, if a woman's going on too much, you just slap her. 
<laughs> this guy was so, you know, famous and well thought of. And yet he he was able to just in a interview casually say, yeah, if they keep going on at you, just slap them. And that's like worrying because like everyone's seeing that and they're mm. and if he's, you know, highly regarded they're at, at that time, they were going to say, oh, right, everything he oh. says then like makes sense. Yeah. And it's fair. And he's so successful. So surely it's fine. Yeah, no, I, t- I do think film and TV are influential, so why not influence for the good, you know? Yeah, absolutely. What a perfect end line. Thank you for that. Thanks for joining us for another episode of FNI Rap Chat, brought to you in association with Film Equipment Store, Wildcard Distribution and Octavid.com. For more from us and all that we do, visit wearefni.com or check us out on all of the usual channels, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, etc. To hear more about Kathy's work, please visit kathydunn.ie and you can check out her short film Imprints at the Virtual Dublin International Film Festival, which is on now. diff.ie for more. Thanks again and see you next time. This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network, a hub for the creative and the curious. Shows are produced in association with Headstuff and the Podcast Studios Dublin. Find out more or become a member at headstuffpodcasts.com.